Listener Production. Hi, I'm Anthony Matafari, and I'm the lifestyle editor at Car Sales. For me, when I'm out on the road on a road trip with friends and family, you tend to have conversations you wouldn't usually have anywhere else. So I thought it'd be a good idea to head out on the road with some well-known Aussies to get to know them a little bit better. Let's meet today's guest. Molly Taylor, thank you so much for having us along for the ride. Thanks for having me. Uh, First up, what are we sitting in? We're sitting in the all-new MI2022 Subaru WRX. It is fancy. <laughs> like, I, I love a WRX, and this one is fancy. You've obviously been around Subaru for a while. Yeah. What are your favourite, I guess, aspects of this one? Like, firstly, the DNA of the WRX is always, you know, for a rally fan as well. Um, so keeping that, you know, all-wheel drive, turbocharged, uh, but this one's got a bigger engine than the previous one, 2.4 litres, so that's probably the first thing that I like about it. Um, But as you said, it's really fancy as well. It's got all the mod cons, like fancy infotainment screen. And so it's also, as well as being that raw sports car, it's um, it's very comfortable to drive every day too. I ask all our guests this question and it kind of feels a bit redundant, but Molly Taylor, are you a car person? (laughs) I think it's probably safe to say yes. Yes. For those who might not be aware, can you rattle off a couple of your um, achievements (laughs) and um, your resume for us? Uh, yeah, so I started yeah, rallying here in Australia, well, probably too many years ago now than I'd like to admit, but um, started driving with Subaru in 2016. Uh, we won the Australian Rally Championship that year uh, and more recently have just come back from competing in the Dakar Rally and in 2021 won the uh, Extreme World Championship, which is a, a new electric race series as well. So I'm either in great hands today or I'll be holding <laughs> on to both these handles as we fly around the corners. We're all about safety at Subaru, so you'll be fine. All right, well, let's fire this beauty up and hit the road. I think we need to take the muffler off, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> so are you a real purist when it comes to manual? Like, do you, do you just love a manual and refuse um, to drive an auto or are autos okay? No, autos are okay. I, I love a manual um, and I like specifically requested um, when the new WRX came out and, and there's so many different variants and it was the, that was one of the hardest decisions. Do I go with the sports wagon um, with the, the new automatic transmission that Subaru have developed, which is awesome, or do I stick to the manual? But yeah, I <laughs> can see who won. I, I do love driving a manual, but also the like, technology these days in automatic transitions is is super impressive and efficient. And in race cars, it's usually the faster way too. How was the Dakar? Was that your first time there or you've returned back to, you know, try again? Uh, it's my second Dakar. So I did the Dakar the year before last. It's in January, so it always feels like it's, yeah. forget we're in a new year already. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's been an incredible experience. That's, yeah, definitely the hardest rally in the world. Because it's, it's quite unique. So for those who don't know, like what exactly is the Dakar rally and how is it different from, let's say, your regular, you know, ARC rallies? So we're in um, more off-road vehicles. So in a normal ARC, our WRX has got uh, these like prepared to, to run on gravel roads. So we have some proper gravel suspension. We have more like underbody protection and things like that. Whereas for the Dakar rally, we're in like a full off-road buggy and we're driving like in sand dunes and through canyons and rock crawling and like everything you can imagine. <laughs> um, Wild. Yeah, and it goes for, yeah, it was about 9,000 kilometres this year. Jeez. So it's a, 
It's fairly Do you get long. quite a bit of sand in the cabin as you're driving? <laughs> <laughs> so much sand. Um, yeah, like sand everywhere and it's just, in the end you just give up trying to keep clean or deal with it. You just you bring back a few kilos of sand every day with you. There's many people who get into racing in all different types and a lot of the time it's a family connection. But for you, I guess it was kind of written in your stars really because <laughs> that family connection was both your mum and your dad being connected yeah. to cars. I guess they were happy that you kind of got into <laughs> racing? Like, Yeah, I mean, they, they were certainly happy that I kind of found the same passion that they have and we can share that. But they also know how, how much of a, a tough sport it is and, you know, you have to go into it eyes wide open and not just expect you're going to see all the good bits it's going to take a lot of work and sacrifice and all of that but yeah my parents met through rallying um my mum was actually uh, the co-driver for neil bates mm. in the factory toyota team so i grew up with the neil bates possum born in the subaru rivalry which was just you know in those years it was intense you go to a rally and it was you know the red for toyota or blue for subaru and that was yeah i just remember being like a seven, eight-year-old going to events in my red jacket. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, that, that's kind of stuck with me. So, um, yeah, it was, I think it's pretty cool and special to, um, to work with Subaru. And, and even though sort of my mum and, um, and Possum were rivals, they were also great family friends. And uh, Possum and his wife Peggy would, like, come and stay at our place. And I have all these memories of things like that and just that um, camaraderie between rallying and everyone's competing against each other, but also everyone's just enjoying the sport and their passion at the same time. Because it's almost, well, it's the equivalent of that Holden versus Ford thing. Yeah. So if you grew up in a Holden family, you were never allowed to drive a Ford. So when that day did come, <laughs> when you went from, yeah, we're Toyota family, everything, but now it's like, oh, I've got this contract with Subaru coming up. Yeah. How did that conversation go? <laughs> oh, that was so much fun. I remember, um, yeah, we had quite a lot of fun with that. And I told my parents, I've seen the light. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, you're going to the dark side. and um, But, like, they were just really happy to have such an awesome opportunity. And, like, the legacy of Subaru and rallying is just, you know, phenomenal internationally as well as in Australia. So to be joining that was a very special moment for me. What was your first car? My very first rally car was a Holden Gemini. Ah. Yeah, and an old Celica, of course, was oh, my course. first road car. <laughs> <laughs> in the Toyota, so. Which one did you love more, the road or the rally? Oh, I mean, the Holden Gemini was, like... I think it had 60 horsepower. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it was a great to learn in because it was it's a nice safe rally car. Yeah, yeah, such you can't, yeah. yeah. I still crashed my first rally in it, but uh, <laughs> oh, we won't go very fast. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, safe to say we've moved on from there. So who taught you to drive on the roads and who taught you to drive in a rally? Like probably my dad and my dad. Um, yeah, he was like very big on road safety and that's how I got into rallying really because he was running a rally school at the time and um, he wanted my sister and me to, to go to the rally school and just drive a car, a manual off-road on a loose surface just to learn some basic driving skills. And, um, and then for me, that was the first time I drove a rally car on gravel and was like, oh man, this is... <laughs> Well, why didn't you make me do this five years ago? So um, I kind of started a bit later and that was the whole basis behind it. Um, but then also with like Neil Bates mm. as well as kind of my mentor, I guess, and still is in my, in my career. Yeah, to have him as well when we go to test days to sit with me was yeah, pretty valuable. So because everyone, I guess you went to school with, knew 
your racing pedigree, was there a bit of peer pressure? Like, oh, when Molly will drive us and she'll, she'll, you know, just tip it around the corner a bit and oh, she'll do this in the gravel car park at school. Like, It's funny you say gravel car park in school because I did get in trouble once for doing a burnout there. <laughs> Um, so I will admit to that, but I would say on the road, I mean, it being drilled into us, mm. you know, the importance of safety. And I think that's the thing about motorsport. Like you get that away off the track. You don't need to prove anything. And also, you know, your, your license is gold because you need to compete. So on the road, I think it's just, you know, it's a different environment. Yeah. Uh, you don't have your helmet on that adrenaline pumping. So, um, but yeah, gravel car park, I did get into a bit of trouble once. Because uh, uh, all I remember Honestly. is the gravel car. I think it's every high school, there's always a gravel <laughs> car park, which is such a terrible idea to give the, the I thought students. someone had worded you up the way no. you said that. I was like, oh no, I'm going no, to have to my high school, the student car park was gravel. Yeah. And my first car was a VL Commodore and it was just stock standard, you know, whatever. But, you know, you accidentally push it a bit and it's a rear-wheel drive. That it's was the accident, argument I tried to use. It accidentally slips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I literally, like, for me, it was a legitimate accident. <laughs> but, you know, other people were, you know. Didn't quite see it that way. I have tried that. I have tried that before. Good for you that. then, so as soon as you pop that helmet on, is it, yeah. yeah, it's game day, it's race, like you're, you're in. So anyway, you could just put this helmet on and you just transform into a different person. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess, I guess so. It's, um, yeah, it takes because... Yeah, I mean, you're trying to drive as fast as you can down a forest in the middle of nowhere, so even if you've done the reconnaissance before and you've written some pace notes, it's still, you don't know for sure what the grip's going to be like or what's around the next corner or if there's a stone that's been pulled out, so you really have to be, like, 100%. Is that the, I guess, the allure of rally is that it's so unexpected? Like, when you're racing on a circuit, you can go there in the off time and chuck a couple yeah. of laps and you know people have done it before so there's probably videos of them commentating these corners that they're taking but when you're going into like the forest it's kind of yeah crazy. you don't get to go around and, and get that corner right again or you know use the runoff or anything like that so it's um like there's so many things but that challenge is definitely like one of the one of the big draw cards I think as well it's like that that feeling of sliding a car on gravel is just it's just the best feeling we found out from your school car park. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how does that uh, relationship between driver and navigator go? Nav- that's the correct term. Yeah. Navigator go because, you know, you are putting a lot of um, trust in them to get it right, aren't you? Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. It's And it, you're right, it's like 100% trust both ways because the co-driver is, you know, sitting there with no control. So they have to have faith in the driver. But equally, you know, if the co-driver says, you know, this crest is flat and there's a hairpin after the crest, like I've got to trust, if I don't trust the co-driver and I back off, then we're not going to be fast. So, and if they're wrong, then (laughs) the consequences are also going to be pretty monumental. So, and it also is so unique because the, to have like the timing of the notes to what information you need. And it's not just necessarily the like pure this corner's this, this corner's that. It's, you know, all, all the things that could be happening and, and how that relationship works over the course of a whole weekend to have someone who's really inside your brain. It's a bit like a, a marriage, I guess. You spend, like, so much time with that person, you've got all this trust in them, and, and then you're in the, like, pressure cooker environment. And, um, yeah, that's such a, um, yeah, such an important relationship to get right. How would you compare your driving now to, your, you know, 
your first rally? Like, <laughs> is it? I'm, I'm assuming there's a remarkable difference, but like, I would like are there to hope so. are there like <laughs> habits that you like? I can't believe I used to do this or. Oh gosh! I mean, my first rally I got 19 kilometers into, and then I had a tank slapper in the Gemini and like speared oh. it off the road. So, so I like to think that Don't that's do that again. Um, yeah, that that lessons um, learn. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things because it's not like it's such a unique sport in the way that you know, if you were playing tennis or soccer, you know, you would be out practicing every single week. Hmm. So for those who may not be fully across rally driving as motorsport, how would you describe it? Uh, rally driving is basically um, a weekend that can be in normal rallying, like a 300 kilometres of various stages, so a bit like the Tour de France, and you're racing on a gravel forest road uh, that you <clears throat> don't really know. You get to do a, a short reconnaissance to sort of have a a little look at what the course is like, but then basically you're out in the forest for 300 kilometres over various stages and the fastest combined time for all those stages at the end wins. I love it. It's like the Tour de France, but for cars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and how different are the cars you race compared to the one we're in at the moment? Uh, I think that's one of the things that is so good about the WRX is it's like really close to the rally car variant. Uh, basically all the DNA is the same. Um, we just essentially put some competition components on it and suspension and brakes and things like that that are designed for gravel, some underbody protection, um, a bit of a tune-up to bits and pieces, a bit of um, like you know taking out a lot of all this the stuff that you don't need. Oh, I was um, say, don't you the want the leather, <laughs> the leather and the Alcantara? Like <laughs> it would be comfortable, but it might weigh a bit too much. Um, yeah, put like a, a, um, a roll cage. Um, safety cage around the car but but essentially it starts off as a road car and then gets stripped back into the rally car rather than you know being produced like a whole different chassis being produced and then suddenly like a body being put on it starts very much as as what you see what were you like as a kid well i was mad about horses and i wanted to uh, go to the olympics in horse riding oh really yeah so i was still like very competitive um yeah very like outdoorsy and competitive Horsepower. Very loud in general. Like some form of horsepower. Yeah. I just need to work out the right one. <laughs> so were you um, actively, you know, riding horses and doing all that kind of stuff? Or was it more of like a, a dream? It's like a picture of a horse on the wall and you're like, <laughs> I will I will win a medal one day. Yeah, it started off as a picture on the wall and then, you know, I went out and did some trail riding and got some lessons and yeah, then then progressed and yeah, had had a horse and started competing. Um, I like to think I was like on the Olympic track, but I don't actually think I was that good looking back now. But yeah, I, I, I think that competitive gene was always in me and that sort of like adrenaline seeking, like there's so many parallels I think to motorsport to some of the horse riding stuff that I did, you know, being out and like the, the fast stuff and like galloping through paddocks and jumping over stuff. It's kind of like a, <laughs> I guess there's some parallels to then blasting down yeah. a, a forest road. I guess this is a mechanical horse in a, in a roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought I was very good at maths, you know, like swapping one horsepower for 60 at the start. I've <laughs> <laughs> got a few more now. What was your best subject at school? Business and economics. Yeah. That sounds really boring. No, that's... But yeah, that's... Um, yeah, I enjoyed that and I think it sort of helped because, you know, at the end of the day, motorsport is still a business and the smallest part in some regards is the actual driving 
part that you do on the weekend. It's all the putting together the partners and the sponsorships and the preparation and the planning and the logistics and. So you're quite involved then with the, I guess, the day to day of like the admin and the machinations of what goes into you know team, you know, running and building. Yeah, I guess it's changed over the years. Like when I started, we had the car in the garage at home and we would be, you know, prepping it on the weekends and our friends over to help us and we'd be sort of doing everything um, from start to finish. And then uh, when I got the opportunity with Subaru, it was very much like a different dynamic now because I was getting paid to drive, which was, yeah, still blows my mind. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we had an amazing team that were building the car and so still very much involved, but, you know, I wasn't like hands-on on on the tools every day or anything like that, the the team would bring the car to the events. So it's certainly changed and now doing a variety of different series and working with some incredible teams, but it's, yeah, managing how all that fits together and my own preparation and and all the partnerships and that sort of stuff. So it's still still more than a full-time job. It's just doing a variety of things (laughs) that um, to kind of make it all happen so we can get out there and race. You obviously spent most of your, well, say most of your weekends, most of your weeks as well, doing something motorsport related. In your off time, like how do you unwind and kind of just like relax if, if you do? Um, it's not a huge amount of that. Um, I guess it's that kind of trade-off. There's not really much of a life balance, but if you're pursuing something that you love, you know, you put everything into it, that's kind of the, like you accept that and that, that's what you do. But uh, yeah, I think for me, it's like my training is definitely an escape being like outside uh, where we're driving today actually when I was living in Sydney I was part of a triathlon training group yeah. so we did many many a lap around here on the bike um, so I know this yeah all where all the subtle hills are that aren't really hills but I feel like hills for me um, yeah that sort of stuff trying to get outside yeah if you can get away um, somewhere when it comes to music everyone has personal taste with cars <laughs> are you if you're driving it's your rules or are you letting you know passengers oh, select or like what's what are the rules in molly taylor's car i like i would like to say i'm pretty flexible if someone's got a good playlist i i'm terrible at creating playlists i know what music i like but if someone can be bothered to actually <laughs> like curate a playlist then that's totally fine um and while my co-driver, Malcolm, and I used to always play um, on the road section, so in the rallies when we're driving between the competitive stages, so we're in the rally car and we have these headsets on because it's super, super noisy and it's got an intercom so we can speak to each other, but it's also Bluetooth so we can connect the phone oh, cool. <laughs> and play music. So we would, uh, the 80s bangers was like, nice. so I think it's like a road trip. That's probably the first thing I put on until I like have enough oh. of like George Michael and then uh, <laughs> and then go on to yeah oh yeah a bit of Kells Whisper with that saxophone song yeah just, you can't go wrong as you're driving in the, yeah. the road we have, we've played that in the rally car many a time I will confess to that oh. do other people play music in rally or is that like is that a common thing like, uh, only like it's only when we're driving in between stages oh, obviously not yeah. like when you're so going over that. a hill into yeah. a gully and it would be some nice 80s and then like maybe when we're 10 kilometres from the stage and like have to get in the zone there might be like some 90s Skrillex. rap that goes on or something yeah, yeah. or some Skrillex <laughs> and then we'll like that would get us in the zone and then we're ready to go <laughs> I know many athletes have kind of routines or superstitions before they, you know, race um, or play their game. Like, do you have anything that you always do? Um, I really try not to because 
because you're out in the middle of nowhere and everything's changing, it's not like another sport where you know like where you're going to be and what your time is. And so you can put down a routine in rallying, like anything could happen. You could be fixing the car on the side of the road and then you've got to jump in and go into the stage and all these different things. So I try not to be too rigid because otherwise you'll probably find yourself in a scenario where you can't have your perfect, well, I don't think you ever get your perfect preparation um, in rallying. You just kind of have to go for it. But uh, like there'll be little things. I probably have the way I put on my helmet and the gloves is probably always the same. So you're a right glove, left glove or left That's glove, right point. glove? I don't know. I'll let you know next time I do it. I think like it's, it's a routine. Subconscious routine. Oh, yeah. I have to get my gloves out. Oh, now I'm going to give you the yips. Now yeah, I know. <laughs> like, oh, I put oh, my God. gloves on wrong. <laughs> rally racing, much like many racing, has its dangers. I guess rally more so than circuit because there's trees that might pop out of nowhere. How dangerous is it and how do you mitigate the risk of a serious accident? Uh, for sure, you know, like there's risks involved and it can be dangerous. But I mean, the safety equipment, firstly, is so so good in these cars, and and like the roll cage is kind of built like from the chassis, the front to the rear, and holds the whole thing together. We have like race suits, fireproof underwear, then triple layer of suits and neck restraints, and yeah, so much stuff. So it's pretty incredible. Like some of the accidents that you see, that like the driver and co-driver are completely protected so you know it's not like a 100 percent guarantee but you know we've had some pretty decent impacts that yeah we just sort of walk out of we definitely know the risks that are there but i think when you're like so focused on trying to drive down that piece of road as fast as you can like you're on the edge the whole time so sometimes if something goes wrong and you go a little bit over the edge and it it doesn't end well it's not like it's not like you're a million miles away from what you were doing, if that, I don't know, makes sense. Like, it's not like this big thing that came out of nowhere. Um, and I think it's just really important, you know, if it does go wrong, that you you can analyse, like, what happened, why it happened, and so that you can learn from that. So it's not like a something you don't understand that you could easily go and do the same thing again because it's, yeah, we don't want to have accidents. It's also, like, really, really expensive. So, yeah, like, a lot of work's done to prevent and minimise them. When it, an accident does happen, like, is that whole thing, you've, your life, everything slows down or does it happen <laughs> so quick that your body's kind of like in it, already it's in its shock mode and it, you're just like, oh, okay, we're upside down now. All right, let's get out. Yeah, I think it depends. I think it's like a lot of it is like, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, I've, I've got it. No, 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 I don't have it. You should like hang on to that last moment. I think, I don't know, maybe it's when you're in a few accidents and it, like anything, you know, I guess the perception when you're driving down the road, it's all, it's a, your perception is a bit different in motorsport. Just like if I was doing another sport that I had no idea what I was doing, my, everything would be going so fast. So normally, like if we have had a role, I remember the, like the first thing that I was thinking the whole time was I was trying to, I was trying to switch the engine off because I didn't want the engine to run upside down so that like if everything was okay, we could keep going. I didn't want to do damage to the engine. So I remember just trying to, like the console button was down it's down here like where we have all the panels where you can switch the car on and off so I remember just like trying to do that and then we would roll and like hit something and then my arm would move and I'd be like it was getting really frustrated because I couldn't I kept trying to hit the button and <laughs> I, kept, I kept missing it um so yeah like weird stuff like that uh, yeah what kind of advice would you give people interested in rally and experience because it's not I guess like mountain biking where you can just get a push here and go for it like it's there's a bit involved like so what yeah. kind of steps would you suggest someone take 
Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is to, on the Motorsport Australia website, they basically list all the car clubs in the country. So the, the best thing to do would be to just search out, you know, where you are, what uh, local clubs are near to you and what events they're holding and then just go out to some events and have a look. And with there's so many low-level ways to get involved, but the best thing would just be to find a car club and, and head on out and take a look, meet some people and um, go from there. Because motorsport traditionally has been quite a male-dominated sport. Yourself and your mother obviously kind of pioneers being successful in it. Are you, have you seen a change? Is it like a more women wanting to get involved or looking for ways to get involved or is there still kind of a barrier because it's just doesn't seem accessible? I think it's definitely changing. We're definitely seeing a lot more women get involved, uh, which is really encouraging and awesome. And I was so lucky that my mum, like she was the one, her full-time job was motorsport and it was my dad's hobby. Like for me, I didn't have that perception from the outside looking in that it was a man's world, which is still you know, it's very much male dominated. So I can see why that is still the perception for a lot of young girls. But I think, yeah, through competing and through, you know, trying to do as much in the community and also just the visibility of having more females competing, young girls see that and then they see the opportunities to get involved at grassroots. And I think that's where it really all starts because you know, from grassroots to make a career out of something, you know, it's a lot of years. <laughs> so we need to have, if we can have more young girls at grassroots getting involved, then like that's our way to be able to change the mix at the top and we're seeing we're definitely seeing that now it's still a long way to go but you know I think we're going to see like it's going to be some years before we see like the results of that that work do you think that you know as kids a lot of time on our walls you had the horse other people had (laughs) you know race drivers Uh, do you stop and think oh there might be a girl or a boy who has my (laughs) picture up on their wall wanting to be a rally driver when they grow up Um, I mean, that's nothing I ever think about because, like, to me, like, I still feel like I've got so much more to to learn and to grow and, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't see that. But I think, yeah, if it encourages a young girl to not have a a barrier in their mind to go out and give it a go, then, like, that's awesome. So what is is next on your to-do list? Because you've obviously, you know, you do rally you do Dakar (laughs) what other kind of things are you adding to that list because I'm assuming you're adding a lot more different things (laughs) making you have less time to go on road trips but yeah I think um, I mean the Dakar stuff I've only just really started getting into I mean I've done like four or five of that style off-road events and two of them have been Dakar which is pretty amazing but also you know it's like very much in the early stages of that whole world which is so different to normal rallying so I see a bigger future doing more of that. So, I, yeah, I think that's still, like, a very big focus, uh, as well as the, the Extreme E Electric Series as well. That's still in its infancy. But then rallying, you know, this is always, like, my, my first love and, and where I started. So any opportunity to... Um, we haven't done a lot of rallying since COVID. So, yeah, any opportunity to get back and do more of that would be... Um, yeah, that's probably my next dream. How do you go on circuits? Do you feel a bit like confined by the <laughs> restraints of the white lines? Um, I did a couple of um, couple of circuit races a few years ago, and it's like it's a completely different world. And massive respect to yeah all those guys and girls that do that. It's it's a lot of fun actually. It's just it's such a different type of motorsport because you're trying to maximise one corner completely. So when you're on the edge and using every centimetre of road, that's like an amazing feeling. But if you did that on every corner in a rally, you would be like oh gosh. in the trees pretty quick. 
So it's yeah, a completely different style and a completely different kind of challenge and adrenaline rush than when you add all the cars around. So it's a huge buzz when you've got all these cars around and the dynamics of that are just yeah, hugely impressive when you see the really experienced drivers in a, like a really good battle and that's strategic and like it's, yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. For you over your career, what has been the biggest challenge? It would be just every year getting the the programs together. It's not like a normal job, you know, where you have your sort of employment and that's that's what you do every year and there's a, you know, a pathway or a progression and in, in motorsport it's kind of like what you can hustle and then what you can deliver and then you're only ever as good as your last results as well. So you've got to continually do that and, yeah, that's kind of like a never-ending process. You never sort of sit there going, oh, yeah, this is what I'm doing for the next five years. I'm just going to going to chill you're always trying to be better and trying to find ways to to get more um, opportunities in cars and things like that so I think that kind of hustle to even get the opportunity to get behind the wheel are probably the biggest challenges. Do you have any hobbies that we would not expect you might have like are you a star baker can you dance like what (laughs) I cannot dance I really can't sing Um, (laughs) I'm really not joking about that probably like really typical hobbies like I like going mountain biking and running and hiking and that sort of stuff which is probably like not that unusual for someone who say if, uh, uh, athletes they all love yeah. athletic kind of stuff um, yeah i guess speaking of athleticism you participated in sas australia yeah that was when when i see people on that show my first question is what incites you to put yourself <laughs> through so much um uh, pain, suffering, mental challenge. So what what possessed you to decide to give that a go? It's so funny because so many people at the beginning asked me when I I said, yeah, I already said yes. Like, (laughs) why why is everyone asking me why I would do it? I thought that was like a no-brainer. Like, how cool is this going to be? And then like after, I don't know, an hour into it, I was like... (laughs) Wow. Did but, you watch the previous? Yeah, yeah I did. And- I did. Um, yeah, that was slightly terrifying. But I think it's just, I don't know, there's an opportunity to like really be pushed to your limits. So for people who might have not seen the series, what kind of challenges, if you, I guess they call them challenges, they, that do they put you through? Because all those challenges were yeah. reflective of what you would do in the actual SAS. Yeah, so it was kind of like a two-week mock-up of their selection course which goes for like up to six months it's basically like trying to break you down physically and mentally till you're like completely depleted and then give you a task that seems impossible and see how you react to you know simulate like the realities of if you're behind enemy lines and in these crazy conditions so we were it was in the snowy mountains um a couple of years ago we had these like massive blizzards in the middle of winter so we would like be jumping into through the ice I'd cut out holes and like into the water below the ice and then going on hikes and then staying up all night and a whole lot of physical challenges and then being interrogated and um not having much to eat and that just going like on and on and on for two weeks um when you got there and they've taken off the bags of everybody's yeah. heads and they can see each other did you look around and go gee some of you have no chance because <laughs> some they purposely cast some people who love creature comforts and yeah. might not be <laughs> yeah. as um, athletic or adventurous as others? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, for sure, you know that, like, everyone's not going to get through, but I think what's so good about it is it's not, that's not always that 
that obvious because it's not necessarily the fittest person that can get through. To make it to the final five, like I definitely wasn't one of the five fittest people there for sure. So yeah, I think that was the cool thing about it because it kind of just shows it's not, it's not just about one thing. It's about, yeah, a lot about the mental side and how you can keep pushing yourself and how you can react in scenarios. And, and yeah, there's definitely the physical component of it, but um, yeah, it really, yeah, I guess opens everybody up. As you've mentioned, your plate is very full and one of the other portions that you've added to that plate is commentating with motorsport. Um, how are you finding that transition from being behind the wheel to behind the mic? Uh, yeah, it's, it's lots of fun, but it's also, it's really hard having to think up the questions to ask rather than just answering what someone's done the work and the prep, <laughs> like, like what you're doing now. <laughs> um, you make it look easy, but I know it's not that easy at all. Uh, so that's been, yeah, it's been a big learning experience, but it's been a lot of fun um, to also kind of be more involved in, in other motorsports and, and see it from a different side. Um, I think their live TV is a bit of still like an adrenaline rush, not the same as driving, but still there's like, you know, pressure on to don't swear and <laughs> don't, don't make a mistake. So yeah, I, I, I do enjoy it. It's a great group of people to be around. Um, yeah, nice thing to do as well in between. So look, I don't want to end your rally career early, but once <laughs> you're ready to kind of hang up the gloves, whichever hand you put on first with them, <laughs> um, what would you like to do or focus on or, you know, you know, take the career to the next level? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think I'm hoping that there's a lot more driving left. And I think that's one of the good things about rallying. You kind of have a much longer career than maybe circuit racing or those sort of forms of motorsport. So, yeah, that's definitely still there. But, um, yeah, I really enjoy doing the, the commentating side. Um, we just finished building a workshop near home, which we're going to put some project cars in and do some cool stuff oh, with. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, that sort of stuff. I, like, love the whole... I mean, everything about motorsport, but also like the team work and the strategy. And, you know, my, my dream would be to like have my own motorsport Molly team. Taylor racing. Yeah. Something with MTR. Cool. I mean, I think it's, it's very hard to make a uh, sustainable business out of motor racing, but um, yeah, to be involved in some way, I think it definitely like in that world is yeah, where I'm happy. So part of your workshop, like what kind of projects are you hoping to get off the ground? Uh, so we have an old Brumby at home. Oh, nice. um, so we want to do, uh, we, we don't really know what we're going to do with it. Mechanically, it's still as it was, and it runs so well for having, I don't know when the last time it was serviced was, <laughs> and it's got over 300,000 kilometres, and it still starts first go every time. It's unreal. I want to make it like electric or something cool. Oh. i put like WRX running gear in it, but that might be a very ambitious project. Well, I know a lot of people loved the Brumby. Potentially, Subaru might, you know, let you keep this car and you can probably chop off the back for it, turn it into <laughs> Could a you ute. Could you imagine? I think I might get sacked for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that'll be the first project. Uh, we've got a Can-Am, the same uh, model that I ran in Dakar, so we'll do some, some fun stuff with that. Um, yeah, we've just built, like, we've built a rock climbing wall and oh. a whole bunch of stuff. So there's going to be a whole lot of, like, not productive work happening in there so, as well. <laughs> I love the idea of like, okay, everyone, we've been working on this car. All right, we're going to have a five-minute break. Go yeah, climb the wall. Exactly. That's what we're thinking. You know, like Top Gear have the star in a reasonably priced car and yeah. like everyone that comes in has to go around the track. We think like when you come in the workshop, we'll set like a buzzer up the top and everyone's got to set a time on the wall well, before they can... Well, speed climbing 
is the thing. sport I did not know I needed <laughs> in my life until I watched the last Olympics. Yeah, I know, right? It's so, so cool. I feel, yeah, work yeah. speed climbing yeah. into it. Maybe that's the career 2.0. Well, well, I guess to be relative, you'd be quite agile yeah, and I, think quick. So, yeah. there you go. Better here first. Probably, it's probably a bit late to start that. But, uh, but before we get to the end, um, I like to ask all our guests this question. So, like life, road trips have twists and turns, ups and downs, change of scenery. Deep. If you had to describe your life to date um, in terms of a road trip, how would you describe it? Oh, gosh. Well, it's like a really mountainous road that goes like like up and down a lot yeah it'd be like some alpine some alpine adventure to hold on Is just hold on yeah like really twisty sometimes fast sometimes really steep up sometimes really steep down um but always at a cool place well molly taylor it's <laughs> been an absolute pleasure um thank you so much for taking us along for the ride thank you very much for having me Along for the Ride is a listener and car sales production hosted by me, Anthony Matafari. Producer is Kelsey Menzies, audio by Kelly Fulston, and executive producer is Todd Stevens. Listener.